Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with your dental coach, David Pierce. His first 26 years as a dentist was not impressive on paper. He was growing his mind and learning what he needed to become a successful practice and an engaged team. In the last 12 years of his career, his practice went from $1 million in revenue to $2 million in four years, then two to three in the next five, all with the same team of six. Since selling his practice along with his wife, they moved out of central New York and moved into his wife's dream come true, new contemporary beachfront home, while their Montana while their Montana mountain house is almost finished being built. In the last eight months, he has written his first two books. We get into quite a bit, including a magic sports experience he saw firsthand. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Joe. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm wonderful. Hey, thank you for being flexible. I appreciate it. It's great to meet you. Yeah, no worries. Happy to help out. Nice to talk to you as well. Yeah, yeah. So before we get into your life as the dental coach, I want to know... You know, living through COVID was quite a thing for all of us. So I'm curious how you survived that time period and how it's changed the way that you live your life now. Well, actually, I mean, COVID had a lot of blessings in it. I think, you know, it uh, it gave everybody, certainly me, a lot of time to pause because you couldn't do anything else. Um, so you could think about things and process things in a, in a different way. Uh, it also, too, uh, maybe introduced to me the idea of reaching out to people via a, an electronic, you know, Zoom type media. Um, somebody suggested in my life that I could engage our patients with uh, daily thoughts, maybe personal challenges, uh, things they could do. And uh, I have a brother-in-law who was, he and I were, uh, I would say, a really great team because I would say, I have no idea what I would talk about. He'd come up with these amazing topics and then he'd give me like 60 seconds to say, okay, you got it, what you're going to say? And I'd be able to yeah. And somehow I'd put together something which was intelligible enough that we would send it out to our patients. So I think we probably created, you know, 45 to 60 of those. And that was really a great experience. And, and out of that, a couple of patients, you know, came back and said, that was awesome. Like I started doing this, I started doing that. And I just needed that thought and inspiration to do it. So, so yeah, a lot of good came out of that, I think. Um, so it wasn't, it certainly wasn't, uh, it wasn't all bad in any way, shape or form. So let's go back to your childhood. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Did you always dream about being uh, in, in the dental arts? Well, uh, I had two choices. Uh, that's I narrowed it down to two. One is I was going to fly uh, jets off an aircraft carrier, or the other I was going to be a dentist. And at some point along the way, I thought, you know, I probably couldn't be a dentist on the side if I was flying off aircraft carriers, um, but I probably could be a dentist and be a pilot on the side. So that's what I did. So let's go back to your childhood. Talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised. And you're, there's seeds that are always planted in us to become who we are. How did yeah. all this happen for you? Well, uh, born in upstate New York, uh, you know, a middle-class family, awesome parents uh, all the way through my life. They've been a huge support until they passed away over the last X number of years. Um, they were both professionals, uh, educator or civil engineer, and um, they you know, chose to take a very conservative path, which was, you know, you work for a good employer like the state or the local school system, and they provide those things for you. Um, you know, for me, I started mowing lawns very early in my life and had lots of, you know, on-my-own type jobs after that. So I sort of the idea of being my own entrepreneurial type spirit was in me from a young age. Um, but they gave me all the, the, the huge values of, you know, accountability, um, responsibility, integrity, humility, and uh, those have were certainly well seated and and 
and are now well planted into my soul so that uh, I owe them huge amounts for all that. So I'm always curious, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of fascinated by how people get into different medical arts. What was it that really fascinated you about being a dentist? Uh, you know, I've I asked, been asked that question so many times, um, and, and I'm not really sure. Uh, it was really early. Like by fifth or sixth grade, I sort of, uh, how, how any kid would know this, I don't know, but I knew like, what college I wanted to go to, what dental school I wanted to go to, and what type of dentistry I wanted to do. Uh, none of those three came true in, in so far as like exact things, but at the same time, I had a, like a path. Um, but I would say that probably if I had to pick one thing, why dentistry, uh, it was probably our family dentist. Uh, I was a, a, um, he was a former Navy pilot actually. And, uh, so he had pictures of, uh, of Air Force cockpits in his, in his office, uh, suites. And, but he and his wife had no children. He was very generous with knowledge and things like that. I remember going in there long before shadowing was a thought on weekends, and he'd say, yeah, this is what I'm doing, and this is it, and it was all, you know, very interesting. Um, I've always been a hand-eye coordination type person. Uh, I like, I've always liked taking things apart, putting them back together. Um, so that, I think the combination of those, and he was always very, uh, he, well, he was inspirational, just he himself. And then something at that age, I couldn't appreciate the all the nuances of it, but, you know, they, so... He is a dentist. His wife was a, I mean, this is 50 years ago or more, you know, a high five, six-figure income earning woman in the executive space. Uh, so the two of them had quite a lifestyle. You know, they would go away in the summer on these neat trips and go skiing in the Alps in the winter and so forth. And I, I looked at that lifestyle, albeit, you know, vicariously through what, what they were doing, and then compared that to our lifestyle, which was very good. But, you no, know, my father was a civil engineer, and in upstate New York, when you're building roads and bridges, you do that. You don't do that in the winter. You do that in summer. So, you know, he was, you know, very busy. So we didn't have summer vacations, family vacations, if you will. Always had a great time in the summer, but it wasn't a family vacation thing as versus the lifestyle that uh, my dentist had. You know, of course, it makes a difference when you have two high-earning, uh, relatively high-earning incomes and no kids as far as <laughs> things you can do. Uh, with money as a tool, but um, nonetheless, uh, I think that's probably the part of the inspiration for sure. So what is the ultimate motivator for you? Every day you wake up, there's things that you want to get done and things you want to accomplish, but what is that motivator for you ultimately? Yeah, well, I'm not, I mean, I think personal is different than professional. So are you speaking to one of those or? Both of them, yeah, yeah. How do both of them work together for you? Uh, well, maybe they're tied together more so. You know, I think that when I was, you know, I know that somewhere, I'm not sure where it was, early 30s maybe, where I kind of, in my head, I had this thought that I, I'm going to make a huge impact on the world, and it started becoming apparent to me, on the, at least on the trajectory that I was on, uh, which was painfully slow, uh, as far as figuring out what to take to become a successful entrepreneur, um, but that I wasn't going to make a huge impact on the world. And, and I don't really know who, but somebody you know, stuck the thought in my head, of uh, do unto one that which you wish you could do unto the world and you'll make a big difference in the world. And uh, so that resonated with me. And so the more I chewed on that, the more that kind of became my guiding light. And so, uh, so you know, professionally, the mantra for our office was changing people's lives one smile at a time. And so we did that by, uh, I mean, I've always been kind of, I've, I've always been a 
lifelong learner type. I'm really curious about things, and I love to. I like to learn just for the sake of learning, uh, the material plus the process. And so, uh, I never really had any intention of what my skill set might look like or where my business office dentally would go to. But ultimately, at the last decade plus, we were basically helping people that had huge dental disabilities where they couldn't smile, couldn't chew, couldn't eat, didn't want to go out in public, wouldn't want to date, couldn't reinvent themselves, and, you know, work them through that so that they could do all those things. And, you know, there's many tears and many hugs and so forth along that path. Um, and, and likewise, in my personal life, I got involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is, you know, basically a, a, uh, a organization that helps families where there's no dad in the in the boy's life to have a, a senior male figure in their life and uh, likewise for uh, moms with uh, or, or dads without a, a woman an adult woman in their life and so so yeah at age 10 I was uh, his age 10 I was, I was uh, paired I guess is the word to use with a, uh, a young man and uh, you know so now 12 years later um, we're still in touch with each other and uh, you know he, uh, he and I our conversation has certainly changed but that idea you know doing to one that which you wish you could do in the world is certainly very much alive, you know, in that in that regard, with that relationship. That's wonderful. My son actually has a friend who just mentioned it the other day that he was getting ready to go meet up with somebody um, in Big Brothers Big Sisters. So uh, that's great. That's that's a great thing. Yeah, it really is. Yep. Um, so let me ask you this: of all of the things that you've done in your life, all of the accomplishments and things you've overcome, and who you are now. If you were to have a dream tonight, run into the 20-year-old version of yourself, and you could give that younger version of you a piece of advice, what would it be? I don't know. I think that uh, one would be, you know, authentic to who you are. I think there's so much. I'm not really a social media guy, um, and so I don't follow the Kardashians and other people in the world where I think folks maybe try to say if I was like them, I would be better somehow or fit in better. So I would say to people like, you know, that you know, God made you uh, who you are, as you are. There's, a, there's amazing stuff inside you, that, that, but it's not going to shine if you pretend to put a cloak over it and be like somebody else. So it'd be, be true to yourself. Uh, figure out who yourself is. You know, keep looking, be introspective, see who you are, see where your strengths are. Um, and, uh, you know, don't, don't be afraid to go for it, that you're going to fail your way to success. So, you know, that I, I talk to people, tell people all the time, if you had a two-headed coin and one side said success, uh, what does the other side say? And, you know, sometimes people say failure. And, you know, Thomas Edison taught us, it said, no, there's a, there's a learning opportunity. So it's success on one side and a, and a chance to learn on the other side. And so, you know, look at all your failures as, uh, great, I'm one step closer to success. So I think probably those two things. Be yourself and, and don't be afraid to fall down and get back up again. So speaking of those towering figures in our collective lives, who have you, who's been a role model or a hero for you in your life? Whoa, that's really good. Um, you have great questions, Joe. Um, Thank you. You make it, you're making me think. <laughs> uh, uh, thinking is painful. Wow. I'm, I'm going yeah. to take, take a nap after this or something probably, huh? Or coffee, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. There you go. Um, I see influential people. Well, so, you know, certainly my parents, you know, that, that like I would, I would say that it, when people come to me I, as a coach dentist and we're trying to get things on track, you know, for me, it's the, the biggest thing is like have a noble purpose for your business. And the second most important thing is just establish the culture, establish the, the beliefs that you're going to guide your office by. 
Um, so to me, uh, you know, I think that those beliefs were instilled in me by my parents, um, not really one more than the other. They, they were two really different folks. Um, they had two very different approaches, um, and uh, but they both had a very, uh, a very consistent sound message. So, you know, I think that if you get that part right, uh, you know, the you know, solid beliefs uh, and also confidence in yourself, like they they were always there to support me in wherever I needed. So my, you know, my ego developed into a normal, healthy, uh, you know, successful kid, but with uh, lots of humility as well. And so I think that that, yeah, I'd probably give them the credit. Uh, from there, there's been lots of instructors and coaches along the way that have given me lots of great information, um, but probably not anybody that mentors in the way uh, that I would see my relationship with the young man uh, that I mentor with and also to the to the folks that I coach, where it's a very intense one-on-one, uh, you know, not hold your hand, but hold your hand type process. So let me ask you this. If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend a little time with them, who would that be? Wow. Hmm. Let's see. And it's only one person, right? Well, you can throw a couple in. Well, I think it'd be fun to, I think it'd be fun to like put a panel together, actually. You know, like to put uh, yeah. Barack, Barack Obama and Donald Trump in the same room and somehow, you know, get it so actual real feelings come out and, and try to get inside the head of both those people and say, right, so why do you think the way you think? You know, let's have a conversation uh, about understanding between the two so that I fully understand exactly how you're thinking and why, uh, you know, Mr. Trump and you as well, uh, Mr. Obama. Uh, I think that, you know, world leaders like that. And then, of course, there'd be others that'd be fun to put in the room or maybe maybe it, it looks like the... Uh, the sweet, the sweet uh, 16, you know, the NBA, where you, you start off with 16 of them, two at a time, say, okay, we got these two figured out, and now we'll take, randomly take one from each of those and work our way down to the, you know, to the finals with, with no winners or losers, but just to get a really good understanding of how these people that are so different from me, you know, how they think, because, you know, their thinking is absolutely right. I just don't know what it is, I don't, and I probably don't have the capacity to understand it without hearing their voices and so forth, so. I think that'd be fun. Can you yeah, put that together are. for me, Joe? I'm getting a Sharpie <laughs> right now, getting some paper. We're going to do it. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I love, I love it. it. <laughs> all right. So let me ask you this. Of all of the things that you've seen and done in your life, other than maybe, you know, your family, what are you the proudest of? Hmm. I would say, um, yeah, I think I could, I think I could answer that pretty quickly. That in, as I, as I figured out how a business, organization runs that it became clear to me in the first two thirds maybe of my uh not quite but in my early part i thought that well if you have people employees that you really want to kind of hold them in that employee hole because if they get too good they're going to leave and in a small business that creates chaos when somebody leaves so don't so don't so don't squash them but don't encourage them to grow and at some point i figured out it's like no, like that is so stupid. Like the the best thing you want is a culture that, a culture that encourages exactly what you feel in your heart, David. Which is everybody should be a lifelong learner, and everybody should make a goal of becoming the best version of themselves. And you should create a culture where that happens, and uh, and and make it forced. Like you know, have intentionally. So we intentionally set aside you know half a day every month, which is all about just learning. So looking for personal and professional growth, and you know, and and it was and people were held accountable to that in certain metrics because it isn't always fun to, you know, to 
step out of your comfort zone and to and to and go into a, a change mode where it's change you maybe want uh, or you don't even know why you want, but I know it would be good for you. Um, but the result of that certainly was, you know, having having teammates just stayed in the office for, you know, 12, 14, 15 years, and then life, you know, does its thing, and they went on to other things, uh, whether it was, you know, to God in some places because of cancer or to retirement or whatever it might be, other jobs in other states or, or other countries even. Um, but that in their departing, you know, I got many, many nice comments to me about, you know, their, their better version of themselves because of the opportunity, not because of me, but because of the opportunity that was created in my office and the culture where they could grow and they were encouraged to grow and it was safe to make mistakes and safe to not be perfect or safe to change yourself from who you are. Uh, so, yeah, I think no question. That was like very, very, not necessarily part of the, like that, that was my intention, um, but uh, I'm looking back on it for sure. That was... Uh, those are all very great steps and that made a huge influence on other people's eyes and, and, uh, and of course made the business better and so forth, but that was really just a, a secondary part of helping them. I love the direction that went in. Yeah, for sure. And let's get to the kind of the essence of you. Everyone has a perception of you, all these people in your life, family, friends, clients, colleagues, that you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Uh, well, I'm getting better at that. I think that, you know, that, that um, I can remember when I was young, I played a lot, of, I did a lot of sports. I enjoyed sports. I've always been competitive. Um, and so I'm, and disciplined. Those are probably two of my biggest strengths. You know, I, I, I enjoy winning as I define winning and I enjoy, uh, working hard at something, being disciplined at it. Um, and so, I, so because of that, I can remember winning some, uh, golf in particular events and tournaments, um, that on paper I wasn't supposed to. But I did, and so um, I, you know, there's some people around me would say, um, "Well, just you know, stay humble," and so because it'd be easy to get a big head, I guess. And so I think that um, that that sometimes it's hard to for me to talk about uh, achievements that I have. I did blow my mom, say, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." Um, but you know, some folks have kind of helped me to look at that and say, "Well, it's okay to have you know humility. There's nothing wrong with that." Uh, but at the same point in time, you know, inside you have to look at it and just say, you know, you, you've done some amazing things in your life just by virtue of who you are, the people you surround your, yourself with, uh, the decisions that you've made, uh, the things you've decided not to do in favor of doing other things. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, I'm uh, learning how to be confident. It's really cool now, I think. And it's not unusual for me to get into something that as an adventure, I love adventure, um, but even now, you know, like the coaching thing is that to me is a natural transition from what you're basically taking the, you know, the, the, I'll say the success secrets that I learned in my own office to just trial and error because I really wasn't a mentor there to say, you know, do this, this. Um, but take those success secrets and then, um, you know, share them with other folks. So I'm in the process of, you know, reinventing myself as a different type of uh, professional in a different space uh, rather than being a clinical surgeon that's, you know, helping people that way. Uh, I'm doing it strictly through, you know, helping somebody to basically think differently, make different decisions, and therefore have a different outcome. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd say it. So, I'm, you know, a quietly confident person um, who uh, expects great things out of myself um, and uh, tries to make sure that uh, when I leave people that they 
feel like that because of spending some time with me, with me they're uh, they're better off for the time spent. So as a big sports fan, if you could go back in time and catch a sporting event live, be there in the crowd, where are you going? I would think I would go right back to the, to the sporting event I was at, which was when the USA hockey team uh, defeated the Soviet hockey team in Lake Placid. You were there? I was there, yeah. Oh, my God. It was just such an amazing, like, like the, <clears throat> the sense of uh, nationalism and pride and unity in that whole arena, uh, except for maybe the where we might have been there that was supporting the Soviets. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> except, except for that handful of folks, perhaps. Um, yeah, that was just such a, uh, I mean, I just, I, you can just feel, I mean, it's such a, such a, you know, it's not like the theaters of today. It's such a quite small, intimate space to have that kind of event in. And, uh, like, you just, you can't escape it. It's like the old uh, um, uh, Tar Heels, North Carolina, when Coach Dean was there. I actually was there when Michael Jordan was, a, 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 Michael Jordan was a freshman uh, with the Tar Heels. Um, I watched a number of their games because I was, I was there as a student temporarily during the winter. And I uh, played in that old, in their old arena with Coach Dean. Like you were right on top of the players. That's what the you know, like class was like. Are you were right on top of it? It wasn't like that, like out there. Like I can't even see the puck. Is like no, you can <laughs> you can see everything about it. It was, it was such an awesome, awesome, awesome event. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So, David, mm-hmm. if anyone out there wants to learn more about you anywhere on the web, where can they go? Uh, yeah, my business uh, website, uh, name of the company is Ultimate Success in Dentistry, and the website is ultimatesuccess.dentist. So ultimatesuccess.dentist, uh, that's, uh, you know, robust enough. It shows, you know, there's information on there about me and my path and testimonials and how to get in contact with me and, you know, next step and uh, um, what the process looks like. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great resource to go to. Wow, this has been fascinating, man. Hey, thank you for opening up. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, likewise, Joe. I look forward to the uh, 16 world leaders getting together, too, for the Sweet 16. That's going to be an awesome show. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) I will. You bet I will. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe D'Amino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. 